Hi, I'm Aaron Connolly. I'm a research fellow here at the Lowy Institute, and I'm with Tom Papinski, a professor of government at Cornell University uh, and an expert on uh, Malaysian politics. Tom, back in 2008, during the general election in Malaysia, it was a time of a really great optimism. It, it appeared that Malaysia had a competitive two-coalition democracy. Uh, the opposition nearly captured power that year, uh, but quite a bit's changed since then. Tell us what's happened to the opposition since then and what's happened to the governing coalition. So uh, the 2008 election was notable because of a coalition that hadn't even tried to be a coalition of a sort of liberal multi-ethnic party associated with Anwar Ibrahim, the Democratic Action Party, a social democratic largely Chinese party, and the Pan-Malaysian Islamic Party. And these are parties that, that when you think about them individually, don't have much in common, but they managed um, without even formally creating a coalition to take nearly half the seats in parliament. After the election results were in, uh, the three parties did manage to form a coalition called the People's Pact. They together held, I believe, five of Malaysia's 13 seat, uh, uh, state assemblies, and they were able to govern relatively cooperatively and effectively for the following five years. In 2013, uh, there was another election, uh, another general election, in which there was a real possibility of the opposition coalition actually uh, defeating the incumbent coalition. They did win a majority of the votes. They did not manage to win the majority of the, of the seats. This was seen as quite a disappointment. And in the wake of that, it's been a, a, a series of disappointments and setbacks for the opposition. So much so that currently the opposition coalition is no longer uh, uh, unified under this uh, People's Pact. It fell apart officially in 2015 based on disagreements between the Democratic Action Party and the Pan-Malaysian Islamic Party. The consequence of this is that the opposition in Malaysia no longer has the ability to strike cross-party deals in order to create a new uh, campaign or a new uh, uh, platform. Um, and this has the effect of diminishing the collective uh, ability of the opposition parties to represent opposition voices, but also has the effect of strengthening the ruling coalition in a time in which it ought to be more vulnerable than it's ever been before. And why is that? Why should the, the rolling coalition be so vulnerable now? What's happening on the other side of the ledger with the, with the rolling, rolling coalition? So there's two, there's two developments in the ruling coalition that are of note. One is that um, the, uh, the sort of minor parties in the ruling coalition, the Malaysian Chinese Association and the Malaysian Indian Congress and uh, Grak and Rakyat Malaysia, these three parties have essentially decayed. Uh, they're hollow shells of what they once were. They no longer effectively represent the interests of of uh, Chinese Indians and sort of uh, liberal Democrats in Malaysia, uh, which which means that uh, on the incumbent coalition side, it's essentially the United Malays National Organization (UMNO) in co in cooperation uh, with opposition with uh, with parties in uh, in East Malaysia. Um, so the incumbent coalition is ever more dependent on a single party, UMNO. The second big change in Malaysian politics on the incumbent coalition side is uh, a series of financial scandals affecting UMNO itself. This ought to be an opportunity for the opposition uh, to uh, highlight the long history of corruption scandals that have plagued the government uh, and to highlight some of the, uh, the more problematic insider dealings that, it, that the incumbent coalition has long been prone to. But because the opposition uh, can't speak with a unified voice anymore, they're unable to uh, seize upon this opportunity uh, to criticize the regime. The governing coalition has, uh, for decades, governed by 
appealing to Malays uh, through what's known as the, the new economic policy, which is really preferences for the, the Malay majority, economic preferences for the Malay majority. What's happened to, to that policy? Well, the policy remains in effect, of course, uh, uh, because UMNO remains the main party in Malaysia. Uh, uh, however, we'll see pressure in coming years uh, based on the, uh, a new challenge from, from PAS, from the, the Islamic opposition. The Islamist opposition, um, uh, it counts as its main supporters, uh, Malays as well, but it has campaigned in opposition to the United Malays National Organization by saying that Islam rather than Malayness is the core defining feature of, of proper governance. Um, and so what UMNO is going to face is a new challenge from PAS in terms of uh, an alternative vision for what uh, the new economic policy ought to mean. To what extent does it need? Does it mean emphasizing Malay interests versus Islamic interests? Again, there's no immediate changes on the horizon, uh, and I'm no strongest selling point for its constituents is its is its uh, half century of effective management of Malaysia's assets on behalf of of Malay interests. Um, but it's going to be pressured in new ways. Historically, we've thought of the main opposition to. Uh, the new economic policy coming from uh, non-Malays, those who are sort of relatively dis, uh, disadvantaged from the new economic policy. But uh, if, uh, if current trends continue, the, the main opposition is going to come from within the Malay community itself. A lot of people outside of Malaysia, uh, perhaps from the last few years, uh, have an impression that uh, Malaysia is not a, a very well-run state. They've heard about uh, plane crashes, they've heard about uh, the 1MDB scandal, but uh, you know, I've talked about how, uh, in general, uh, the Malaysian government, compared to some of its regional peers, has been uh, relatively well-run. Many of its companies are relatively well-run, despite uh, these, econo- these idiosyncrasies of, of uh, preferences for Malays. Uh, but what's likely to happen to that reasonably good management as uh, UMNO faces this challenge from PAS? PAS, the Islamist opposition, has a particular interest in highlighting the inability of the of UMNO to govern, while at the same time appealing to international community which needs Malaysia to be effectively run and which has perceived the country as a, a bastion of relative stability in a region of, of ever greater corruption scandals. And so it's hard to, diff, to predict at the outset how these things will go uh, in coming years, but we can imagine a couple of scenarios. One scenario is is one in which PAS encourages UMNO to adopt a relatively more cleaner and more effective governance model uh, and clamp down on some financials, uh, on the financial scandals that the country uh, has, has become known for in, in recent years. Um, although that would be beneficial for UMNO's perspective, the internal pressures for uh, continuing the system of insider dealing and corruption are, are, are likely to be too strong to, to ignore. What instead is probably more likely is, uh, is a new sort of outreach on the part of, of UMNO towards interests that are affiliated with PAS and in an attempt to buy off or to win over some of the support that, we, that, uh, that PAS uh, currently earns from uh, the Malay electorate by making concessions on particular issues while protecting the, the existing strengths that UMNO has, which are uh, 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 a remarkably robust party system, uh, in party infrastructure and an ability uh, to use uh, money politics to get things done. That sort of scenario augurs poorly for the ability of Malaysia, for, for Malaysia's ability to change its, uh, its international reputation. In terms of uh, 
Malaysia's international orientation. Of course, one MDB has been bailed out by a Chinese uh, state-owned enterprise, um, but Malaysia is also a party to the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which, if it's ever ratified uh, by the U.S. Congress, uh, would integrate Malaysia even more closely into a sort of Western-oriented supply chain. How does uh, Malaysia navigate uh, these difficult cross-currents in its region between increasing Chinese economic power uh, and its uh, general orientation toward the West on, on economic issues? It's a difficult challenge for Malaysia because on the one hand, uh, it understands that the key for regional development is going to be its ability to cooperate with a, a rising China who's what, uh, whose orientation towards Malaysia over the past decade has actually been relatively cooperative. Uh, and it's understanding that Malaysia does uh, benefit tremendously from its, uh, its historic openness to investment from the West. The way forward for Malaysia at the moment is to, is to adopt a policy of pragmatism and patience. Pragmatism in terms of taking the deals that it can get with the partners that are willing to, to cooperate with it, and patience to see the extent to which China's current economic troubles are going to spill over into its foreign policy, uh, its foreign policy stance. Uh, Malaysia is very lucky that uh, 1MDB was bailed out by, that chi- by the Chinese state-owned corporation because in, a, in an era in which China, the Chinese economy is operating not quite as hot as it has been in the past couple of decades, those opportunities aren't going to come along again. In my opinion, Malaysian leaders are going to remain ever wary of a rising China based on the, their understanding that a strong China is more of a threat to Malaysian independence and security than either uh, the United States or other regional partners such as Indonesia or Australia. Well, Tom, thanks very much for uh, dropping by and on your way through Sydney. Uh, we appreciate the, the chat and uh, look forward to seeing you in, in Australia more often. Thanks. It's my pleasure.